you say today, and we welcome those who are joining us online, but maybe you say today, can God still touch me with all these restrictions, with all these problems? The answer is simply, yes, he can. Nothing can stop God. You see, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. If you build a wall, he'll come over it, knock it down or come under it. But he'll get to you. I believe that God has an intention for people here tonight and those who are watching online. And I want to encourage your hearts. Nothing can stop the intention of God from coming to your life. A life surrendered and a life yielded is a landing pad for God. You know, one thing I've learned over the last few years that I wish I'd learned earlier on in my walk with God, just surrender. I was talking to Sean about that this week, of lessons I wish I'd learned earlier on in my walk with the Lord. Just surrender. Just submit. Surrender your life to him. Don't fight back. Just surrender your life to him. And I promise you'll never be disappointed. Man, even when it seems like we're laying aside something of great value, we suddenly realise it had no value at all in comparison to the things that he had for us. Father, we thank you. We bring our lives in fresh surrender tonight. Saying that you are the King of Kings and you are the Lord of Lords, the one to whom nothing is impossible. You fashioned stars and brought moons and orbits into being just by speaking. You're the God of the impossible, to whom nothing is impossible. Lord, I want to thank you today for every impossibility that could be named in the life of a person in this room or watching from home. Nothing is impossible to God. Nothing is impossible to God. To do no thing is impossible for God because he's a God of doing things. And tonight, that miracle, you believe for it. That impossible thing, you believe for it because you're not believing a mortal man to do good on the words that he said without the ability to do so. We're dealing with the creator and the one who fashioned the universes. Everything that a man can see and far beyond was fashioned by the hand of the God you now worship, to whom nothing is impossible. Let faith arise for that thing that seems so difficult, so big, so out of orbit. Believe God. Come on, in these moments, just before we dig into the word, enlarge your heart, enlarge your heart. Nothing's impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. That person that's not yet in the kingdom, nothing's impossible for God. That miracle that looks like it could never come, nothing's impossible for God. Nothing's, that, that, that healing in you, nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. He's the author and the finisher. He's the creator. He's the one who begins and the one who says it when it's finished. Nothing is impossible. Let's not bring God down to make him just like us, but rather let's lift our heads to see him in his glory. Let's not bring him down and say what he can do and what he can't based on the performance of our own existence, but rather let's lift our eyes and say, you are far above us, Lord. Lord, you are the creator. We are the created. We stand in awe and we marvel at the work of your hand but you say to the wind change and it changes you say to the sea stop and it stops when you speak to every situation in our lives it changes we believe in you Lord mighty God father I pray for every person in the room that they would begin to experience the things they thought were impossible being delivered to the door of their life For those watching at home, Father, we thank you. But even now, the atmosphere in their home changes. 
as they begin to believe and lift their hearts to a God to whom nothing is impossible. Suddenly joy replaces everything else that once filled their heart. Amen, amen, amen. Hey, babe, we better, we could carry on all night. I'm in, I'm in a bit of a glory mode right now. We better, we better, we won't get to this series if we don't carry on, Brother Stuart. Hey, warm welcome. And it is warm because I turned the heating up when Stuart wasn't looking. He was busy in worship and I sneaked around the back like a stealth warrior. And because Pastor Stuart has got his own microclimate. Has everybody worked that out yet? That when we're freezing, he's hot. He's, just, he's sweating. And so, yeah, but now I am also warm because of this room. But um, Sean's on the way out because it's far too warm for Sean. Oh, he's going to get a pen. Pastor, Reverend Stuart, feel free to adjust the heating to what suits you there. We want to welcome those who have joined us online. And wherever you're watching from, we know we've got our Portsmouth family and our Portsmouth congregation watching and tuning in. Also got people from our Guildford congregation tuning in and watching. Want to give you a big welcome. And anyone else that's watching from anywhere else on the globe, in England, around the world, we just welcome you to be a part of our Sunday Night Local, where we are in a new series. And didn't Pastor Stuart do a great job last week when he was speaking about we are a body? We are a body. You happy with that recording, Shirt? All right, we've got a thumbs up. So <clears throat> we're in this new series and we're talking about We Are Team. And obviously we're moving forwards now towards um, opening again all our congregations. The kids were meeting again this morning and well done. Huge thank you to everyone that's involved in that. Yeah. It's brilliant across the congregations to see our children beginning to come together. And to me, my heart was always that those guys were the ones I think that suffered the most during lockdown because there was that taking away of peership and certain things that they need in their developing years of growing up. So huge thank you. And we had a good morning this morning talking about heavenly rewards and uh, it stirred different people in different ways, but I hope it motivated you. Know one person got back to me today and I thought, you know, that's kind of true of us all. He said, in all the years of serving God and knowing God, he's never once thought about the rewards he would get when he goes to heaven because he only ever did what he did because he loved God and because of what God had done in his life. I said, yeah, that's true, but the Bible also says you're going to get rewards. So if you like it or not, you're going to get them. You're going to get them. Because God is just good in everything that he does, exceedingly abundantly far above what we imagine and think. Amen. But we're not just talking about we a team because of coming out of COVID and opening the doors of church. We're talking about we a team, this series, we a team, because we want to be stronger than we've ever been, not just in the meetings and the gatherings that we put on, but in who we are as a church community. Because, you know, us being teamed to do something or produce something has fruit to it, but that's not what this series is about. That's a byproduct of this series. But the truth of this series is we want to come out of this time of lockdown and be so together in unity, celebrating each other, valuing each other, that we're strong and unstoppable for the purposes of God in our homes as well as in our public gatherings. Yeah. So we were looking last week and Pastor Stewart did a great job when he started the series on We Are A Body and brought some great comparisons between the natural body of a person and the body of Christ, the church. See, I listened, did my catch up, took it on a prayer walk, put my headphones on invested the time glad I did it was a it was an amazing word 
But we also looked last week, we, I wasn't here, I was at home, but we in the corporate sense of I caught up later. We also looked at how both work best when all the parts work together. And I love that comparison. We've said it many times, but you really can't say it enough. A body works best when it's working together. And we went over those timeless examples of the Apostle Paul, where he spoke of, you know, not everybody's a tongue, not everybody's a leg, not everybody's a nose. We all need to know that God has given us a unique part in his plans and in his purposes, but also in his church family. So tonight I get the privilege to speak about we are family, but we are a part of the same household. And I know that Pastor Stuart would love to bring a song, a special song at this moment. As I, no, no, please be seated. I know that when I say that, that statement, we are family, that everything within him wants to stand up on the chair and begin to lead us in a very um, famous, not a chorus, but a very famous song. And actually, I think I found um, Stuart, Sean and Ray practicing earlier. But we're going to just have to say time. Sorry, guys, time doesn't allow this. All right. And I'm really concerned when it gets to the bit in the song where it says I've got all my sisters with me and there's three of you and your guys. So let's just let's just stop it there, shall we? But the Bible teaches that we are family. We are a body. We're many things, but we are a family. And I love that. We're a part of God's household. Isn't that awesome? I love it when Jesus said, when you pray, don't pray his father. He said, pray my father. But we've been taken from separation into sonship. We've been brought from being orphans to being princes and princes of the kingdom and the household of the Most High God. Isn't that incredible? That's why sometimes you've got to make a decision not to be limited by your natural ancestry or your, how you've come through a family line, good, bad, negative, positive. But to understand that when you got born again, your family, your family line got really short. There's God, then there's you. Isn't that incredible? We're people, we're, we're a part of a family and the household of God. And that identity should trump or be greater than any other identity we have in our life. The Bible says that what an incredible thing, how good God's been to us, that we should now be called sons, sons and daughters of God. And then it says, and that is what we are. So we need to see ourselves as children of God, but also when we see ourselves as children of God, that's not heresy to say that. The Bible actually declares that we need to be saying that more. We are children of God. We've been taken from being orphans to being made princes. Isn't that incredible? And again, when I say sons of God, princes, I also mean daughters and princesses. It just gets laborious if you keep saying the same thing. So let's just get the point, all right? We're sons and we're daughters. We're princes and we're princesses. He's taken us from separation and now made us his own. But in making us his own, he's made us a part of his very own household. I love that. Look in the mirror and you think, hey, I'm a part of a household of God. Now, there's many different analogies that kind of say the same thing. We're the body of Christ, we're the bride of Christ, we're God's army, and we're also his household. I want to read you some relative verses because I know that it's key for us to have um, verses and scripture backing up statements we're saying or concepts that we're bringing from the stage so Ephesians 2 first if you're making notes I'm going to read from Ephesians 2 verses 19 to 22 and all these verses around us being the family of God the children of God and the household more specifically the household of God so this one opens up with a statement in its very opening it says in Ephesians 2 19 consequently 
which means as a result of, consequently, when you've added it all up, here's your conclusion. You are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Isn't that beautiful? There you go. It's saying it loud and clear in what Paul was writing to the Ephesians church. He said, consequently, get the point, reach for some total. You are no longer a foreigner when it comes to the things of God. You are no longer a stranger when it comes to relationship with God. But you are now, not will be when you die and go to heaven, but now you are a fellow citizen with God's people. That means that you're a part of the same household of me. Doesn't matter what country you were born in, what culture you came from. In our new birth, we became again one big family that belonged to God. Now unseparated. It says we are now fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Now built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone of it all, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. We covered this in our former um, series where we were looking at the toolbox, the believer's toolbox. But it says it again, number one, we're being built into a place where he dwells but i love that opening statement we are also members of his household but then another key verse is found in hebrews 3 these are all verses relating to us now being his household the place he calls home hebrews 3 verses 1 to 6 it says therefore holy brothers and sisters isn't that awesome because that's what you are do you know you're holy I love the way that Paul addressed the saints he was writing to. Number one, he called them saints. You don't become a saint when you're dead and you do good things and somebody makes you a saint 200 years later. You're a saint the moment you've come in Christ. You'll never be more saintly than being in him. You'll never be more saintly. You'll never be more righteous than being in the righteous one. All right. So when Paul addressed these people, they weren't different from us. You're saints tonight. If Paul was speaking to you, he would call you a saint. Isn't that incredible? Yes. Saint Sean. Saint Hannah. Isn't that awesome? We're saints because of what Christ has done and how he's positioned us. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in a heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus. We were talking about that this morning whom we acknowledge as our apostle and our high priest. He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in, in all God's house. Jesus has been found worthy of greater honour than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honour than the house itself. Now Jesus is the builder of the house that we're a part of and because he's the builder of the house he has greater honour than the house itself. For every house is built by someone but God is the builder of everything. Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house bearing witness to what what would be spoken by God in the future. Now here comes verse 6. But Christ is faithful as the son over God's house. So he's not just the cornerstone of God's house, he's the son over God's house. Here's the bit I've underlined. 
and we are his house so he's the son over the house who are we we are the house we see our part in this scripture not just his it's like when we read um, John 15 my all-time favorite verse we see his part as the vine and our part as the branch now joined to the vine living from the life of the vine in our daily existence in the same way it says he is the son over God's house and then with his next statement Paul says and we are his house if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory so as long as we remain in faith we remain his house and it's his house because his son is the son over the house now that fits in with what we were teaching about the body doesn't it that we're the body and he's the head so the corresponding here is the same we're the house but he's the head of the house or the son over the house we're the body he's the head and then one last verse i want you to look at is from first peter chapter two and again it speaks of houses and stones and certain things another well-known verse it says as you come to him the living stone rejected by humans but chosen by god and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So key ingredient, Jesus Christ has to be in the mix because he's the son over the house. But in here, it's saying that we're the the living stones that again make up the house that belongs to God on the earth in which he lives and he operates from. Isn't that awesome? So not only are we the physical house that's now on the earth, not like the one that Moses built, that was old covenant. We are now new covenant. It's no longer bricks and mortar made by men. Man has become the brick that makes up the house of God. But not only are we a house, because a house is quite cold, a household is warm. To see ourselves as the house of God means that we're a structure. But to see ourselves as a household means that we're a people. And I love that. I love that because it's a great thing that we're the house of God. We're the place where God abides on the earth. But to me, I don't know, I further appreciate, if not more, I'm a part of his household. Because that means that I'm not just a structure he dwells in, but I'm a relationship that's with him. So we are the household of God. The house of God has many rooms. Now, when we think of our lives corporately as the house of God, there's many rooms which make up many different ministries and tasks that the Lord has given us to do. But when we think about the physical church, as in when we, the church, gather, we understand that just like a house that we would live in can have many rooms, so the church can have many rooms. And again, if I bring this into the context of us meeting and gathering together in Sundays as we once knew them and we will know again real soon we understand that there's many rooms that make up the house of who we are as a house that belongs to God now stay with me that'll make more sense in a moment the house of God has many rooms think about your household and your home and the different rooms represented within it different rooms have different functions don't they A bathroom has a very different function to a kitchen. Well, I hope it does. 
I hope it does, it should do. Hopefully that's not like a shock report for anyone. What you would do in a bathroom or a WC must be different to what you would do in a kitchen. All right, I'm not gonna elaborate anymore, though I could, though I could. There's different rooms in houses that have different purposes for the well-being of the whole. And when we look at building church, when I, when I spend time with the pastors and the leaders in family church and we talk about being a healthy church, we don't want to be, now again, I'm taking this a little bit away from the personal we are the household to us being a church that provides people with every bit of healthy living that they need from God. We understand that our Sunday mornings are a good expression of a house with many rooms. You know, when we look at team and we say, would you be on this team? Would you be on that team? Would you get on this team? Will you help us in this team? It would be a lot simpler to have one team. But the problem is the house that we want to be to the people God sent us to reach has many different rooms, just like your home has many different rooms. Let me give you an example. Um, Our Sunday mornings are the living room of church. It's a place of great welcome. You know, sometimes people have said, oh, I've been to your church, you need to have, you need to have more, more teaching in your meetings. No, we need to have a good measure of everything because it's the place where people are encountering us. Yeah. It's like for some people you can't do enough and if you did what they wanted, someone else would say, you're now not doing what I want. Yeah. So what we try to do on Sundays is provide a healthy room that gives a person visiting us a good experience of the overall of who we are, which means there's going to be worship present on a Sunday, teaching present on a Sunday, good stuff for the kids, intimacy and worship. But it's amazing how different rooms can correspond to different things. To me, Sunday morning is very much our living room. And when we come back to gathering together adults and children, we've got huge strategies built around the statement, welcome home welcome home and that's not just to the believers that were with us before but also the new people that are coming and we're even revamping what church feels like in our javalicious halls etc because we want church more than it's ever been to feel like a home when people come in not a cold church or a building or a school but a home that they come in and something in their heart goes it feels like i'm home Now that doesn't just happen, just like it doesn't happen in your house, you've got to be actually visionary and uh, deliberate in doing that. So our Sunday mornings of a living room, a place of great welcome. Another way of looking at is our connect groups of a dining room. Our connect groups, we don't want people just to come into our living room, we also want them to be in our dining room. And as a dining room, that could mean a place of fellowship with one another and God. And our discipleship courses could be the kitchen. When people say, I just need more feeding in this church. Yet we're not going to try and overfeed you on Sunday mornings, but we will provide in the life of the church, the household of God, discipleship programs. So if you need more feeding, we're not guaranteeing that's going to happen on Sunday because we'd have to lose intimacy, which would be a type of bedroom with God. What we want Sunday to be is enough of everything that people's lives are impacted. But as a church, a household, we want to provide enough of all the individual things so a person gets all their full nutrition from what God wants for them. So discipleship courses could be compared to a kitchen or a place of preparation or feeding. Our devotional life may be the bathroom. It's where we clean up. That's a good analogy there. Stuart put that one. I like that one. Our devotional life is a bathroom. It's a place of cleanup. And our bedroom could be the place of intimacy. 
Now, we want Family Church to be a place where people experience intimacy with God, growth with God, discipleship, fellowship with one another, all of these things. But we need to understand we need to be a household thinking people that aren't just trying to be one thing, but do all things well. Like any family, each family member has a part to play. And again, last week we looked at this through the context of a body. With a body, every part of a body has a very important part to play. There's no small parts to a body because if some small parts were missing, the rest of it wouldn't work. You know, the heart is a relatively small part compared to other muscles in the body. But you don't want to be without a heart. Because, you know, even the bigger muscles you may own really won't accomplish much more if the heart says I'm done, right? Now, in the same way, we need to understand that every person in our church family, the household of God, has a part to play and every part is important. People would say a spark plug on some older cars is not important, but it is if you haven't got one because you won't even start to go anywhere. In the same way, we look at each other and we value each other. Not having people who are up here or people who are down here, but one layer of people that all belong to God, that are all the household of God, that are doing many different things in expressing who church is. But we're all important and we're all equal. There's only one superstar in the kingdom and his name is Jesus Christ and he's the son over the house. One superstar, that's Jesus Christ. The rest of us, we're family. And we're all in this together, we're doing this together, doing different things that serve the whole. So as a family, we want every person to play their part in serving the household, but also going out into the field, which is the world. That's why we've got big pushes on at the moment with Soul Winner. Hey, I've just crossed over 500 households for the next Soul Winner boot camp on the Wednesday night. Believe with me, I'm believing for a thousand households. That's on the Wednesday night. I'm doing another one on the Thursday night and we've just had 120 households sign up for that. I'm really believing God to have like 1,500 households come through those five weeks. Why? Because as a family, we're going into the field. We're not sending individuals in. As a family, we concentrate on building the home so that when we've been successful in the field, we've got a great home to bring people to. Why is it a great home? Because it's not a physical home alone, it's the household of our God. So um, the house or household of God needs to be a place of, just like your house, a place of safety, fellowship, growth and preparation. So that we are able to be effective in the field of the world. See, we don't want to see ourselves as a household and forget the world that the household's in. We want to be conscious of a field outside the house. And whatever we do in family church gets people ready to be active and effective in the field. That's why our drive going forwards, I've been sharing it with the leaders the last few weeks. I said, our vision going forwards, really simple, Matthew 28, 19. We're going to be an outward looking church, go. A church that makes disciples, a church that gets people baptised in water and baptised in the Holy Spirit and then teaches them how to obey. Real simple. That's what we're focusing on. Why? Because then our mandate is one that's actually biblical. We reach and we teach and we release. Or we we reach and we grow and then we cause people to flourish and multiply. Now that's the culture of our home. As we're moving forward, you're going to hear those words a lot. Reach, disciple, teach, release. Well, that's the culture of our home. If you walk around the Elms household, you'll hear different cultural expressions. 
that makes the home unique to the Elmses, right? Yeah. Just like your home. Now, the home of Family Church, which is just one church that belongs to God's family worldwide, globally, we've got values that we believe God's given to us, which is reaching people, discipling people, and helping people to be fruitful and multiply. Now, let's love every room of a house and be committed to serving this household God's given us, wherever it's needed at any given time. See, at the moment, we've got a huge push. We're saying all hands on deck to make it happen for our kids, which means you may have a passion for another room in the house. And that's cool, but that room isn't needed at the moment. So we don't retire and wait till that room opens again. We say, no, okay, if you need my energy over here, you got it. That's the way we want to think as a household. Our bedroom, the kids are so funny, they can teach you so much about a household. If we say to our kids, go and tidy your room, they don't think I'm going to tidy my room and then help my sister tidy theirs. It just wasn't in me growing up either. If I had to tidy my room, that was my project. It involved my room. My brother was on his own and his room was never dirty anyway. (laughs) But we've got to have a mentality of family that if our room is ready or not needed, we don't just sit down. We go and help someone else get their room ready so that the house itself is ready for what God wants to do. Now, we have a people that are passionate for different rooms. And I love this when people are passionate for different rooms, but we've got to have a passion for the whole. And often I'll teach this in the context of using the example of either a house or an orange. But every segment of the orange could represent a department, a house, or a part of who we are as family church. And I want every segment to be passionate about what it is. But also we've got to remember that every segment makes up a bigger whole, which is the orange. So I love it sometimes. Uh, I'm never offended by this. When, say, you get somebody that's heading up a department in the church and they come and they almost begin to shout with excitement in my face. Do you understand how important this is? Do you understand how important? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I love your passion. But please bear with me. I have a responsibility over the whole, which means I'm as passionate about every segment, but I'm glad you're passionate about yours. But also be passionate about the other segments too. And that shows in how we do things. It's like the example we just used. If our room is ready for action, let's not sit down and wait for the visitors. Let's get other people who, who their room isn't ready, ready for action too. That's how family thinks. Let's love every room of a house, but be focused on the whole as well. Love the segment, love the orange. Love your room, love the household. Now, it's about also a responsibility of taking care of the room that you've been given. That's always the battle of a parent. You need to take care of the room you've been given. Take care of your bedroom. What do we mean by that? Keep it clean and keep it tidy. Now, that seems easier said than done. And I'm not even going to admit to what that's like having a husband in the home like Andy Elms. Gina probably says that as much to me as she does to the kids and probably I am actually at this point with teenage daughters worse than the kids probably. But there's a responsibility or there's an expectation, isn't there? That if you have a room in a household, you need to take responsibility for it. What do we mean by that? You keep it clean, you keep it tidy. Or if you imagine whenever you get visitors coming, I love visitors coming to the house, but I don't like having to clean up before they come. Because in my little world, I'm like, ah, oh, let them take us as they find us. In Gina's big world, that isn't going to happen. If 
Brother Andy has invited someone over. Brother Andy is going to get the living room ready because they're going to walk through that. The WC ready in case they use that. Gina will often say, and do not let them go upstairs. <laughs> because Brother Andy, hey, you want to take a look around? And I'm like, I've learned. <laughs> Just be careful. Now, we've got to understand if we're going to invite people to our house, we need to make sure the house is ready for them. Because Pastor Gina's not wrong, Brother Andy is. But if we're inviting people to our home, we need to make sure the home is ready for them to visit. All right? Now, there's an element of take us as you find us because we love who we are. But equally, our diligence and our excellence are seen in the way that we get the room that we have responsibility for ready for the visitors that we're praying will come and see us. That's household thinking. That's the way a household thinks. All right, nearly done. Whether a body, a bride, an army or a household, the same key points transcend and are present in each. And again, I'm just going to underline exactly what Pastor Stuart finished with last week, but just in different words and terminology. We need to love each other deeply and work passionately with each other. That's what a body does that causes it to win a race. That's what a household does that causes itself to be a great place to visit, to be a part of and grow. We need to love and celebrate every part. Just as there's different parts to a car, but all are equal because they're a car, there's different rooms to the household we are, but all are equal because we're all the same household and home. And we need to be ready for God to use us as he desires to. How's God going to use us in the context of being his household? He's going to use us to bring those that need his household to come and visit. So we need to be a place that's not exclusive. We need to be a place, a household, that's welcoming. That when prodigal children begin to come to their senses and return to the father's house, they're not put off by the people that meet them at the door. They're loved by the people that put a coffee in their hand. They're inspired by the people that are teaching them the ways of God. And they're blessed by the people that disciple them beyond their moment of conversion. They're loved by the people in our connect groups. And they feel a sense of being celebrated, independent of where they've come from or what they may have previously done. Why is that important? As the household of God, we represent the culture of his home on the earth. Father, we thank you today that we're your household. Jesus, you are the son over the house. A greater house you built for your father than what Moses built. Thank you that we are that house. We are your home. And we pray that our doors of our heart, but also our meetings and all those things that are reopening, Lord, would be places that people love to come to and don't want to leave. Help us to wear you well, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Okay, over to you, Pastor Stu. Great. You're right. That was really good, eh? Um, so just uh, thank you for watching online. I, I kind of want everyone who hasn't watched it online tonight or isn't here to, to get this message because I think it's really key. Yeah.
than a church. So, can someone press the red button, please? <laughs>